Welcome to the Internet Advisor Podcast. I'm your host and producer, Foster Brown. Along with my co-host, Gary Baker, and our team of experts, we've been helping people like you since 1998 with your computer problems, introducing you to valuable resources, and promoting tech enterprise throughout Michigan. The Internet Advisor is a two-hour podcast recorded every week at the studios of historic WJR Radio in Detroit. Both hours of the show are available each week on this podcast and are streamed to our affiliates across the state of Michigan. We're also proud to be part of Detroit's newest and fastest-growing podcast network, PodcastDetroit.com. And now, here are your hosts with this week's Internet Advisor. Welcome to the Internet Advisor, your place for answers to your computer questions since 1998, with your co-hosts Gary Baker and Foster Brown and their team of tech experts. The door is always open at internetadvisor.net, on Facebook and through Twitter. But right now it's time to get you in touch with your helpful hosts on this week's edition of Internet Advisor. A very good afternoon to you. Hi, I'm Foster Brown, the co-host and producer of the Internet Advisor. And we're going to be with you for a little while here between games and between other programming on WJR, the great voice of the Great Lakes. We're going to be looking at the Yahoo blowout. A half billion users have had their passwords shared un- <laughs> unannounced to them. We'll be talking about that and also about the changes coming to the car industry. All that coming up on the Internet Advisor. Welcome to the Internet Advisor. This is our number one, and you might wonder in a little bit where our number two went. Well, that's because of some of the programming shuffling is taking place because of two big sports teams who are part of the WJR family. That's MSU, Michigan State University, the Spartans, which uh, they didn't have quite a good day today, even though it was a bright, sunny day. It wasn't a good day for them on the field. Yeah, and the Detroit Lions are coming in uh, to town tomorrow. They're going to be playing, and because of that, some of the programming there has been moved around. Bottom line is that we are going to be giving you an hour of our programming right now, and then from 5 until 6 o'clock will be just different programming coming in, but we're going to continue to do our show so that the podcast that you'll be able to get online at internetadvisor.net will be two hours of programming. How do you like that? Yeah, and our syndication stations, yep. syndicated stations, uh, will all get their normal programming. Yeah, so. exactly. You know what, guys? I'm gonna. Well, first of all, Ed Rudell, it's good to have you back in house, and of course, Gary Baker. Yeah, I, yeah. Only missed a week, but I'm here. No, yep. it's still good to have you back. <laughs> you were like, you were well missed. Yeah, yes, very much so. I, I, I listened to the podcast. I know. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. So, isn't it kind of funny that we're all away from it? We listen very intently to the podcast just to see what happened uh, yeah. what, what did i miss what did i what jokes did i miss and cal carson of course good good to have you here you As know ever. even though we're wedged in between football games let me tell you an old <laughs> saying an old saying that uh, uh, a relative used to say to me when you're at the table savor what's there yeah, that's, that's right very Absolutely. good point <laughs> you know this is good kind of an audio wedgie isn't it then well yeah, anyway it. we'll continue oh. on <laughs> somebody who got a super wedgie this week were the folks at yahoo Ooh, my oh God. my goodness one of the top items this week was 500 million, at least the way it was reported in the press, was that suddenly Yahoo was announcing 500 million of their users had their passwords stolen. Somebody to help us look into that a little deeper is Kasten Thomas. He is the CEO of Enderworks Technology, which is a computer and network security company out of Rochester. Kasten, first of all, I've got to thank you so much for being with us because... 
you have, I mean, you have done the ultimate sacrifice, stepping away from your son James' wedding. The report. Uh, well, he's not getting married right now, and it's not the ultimate sacrifice. It actually <laughs> takes the pressure off and gives yeah. me a break. Give you something else to think about, eh? And he, he's not getting married for at least fifty minutes yet. So. <laughs> well, you're uh, not. Oh, five o'clock our time. I'm I'm actually in the uh, beautiful Columbia Gorge Hotel, which was built Ooh. in 1921, and they renovated it in 1979 to add electricity and indoor plumbing. Mm. And this is just a beautiful place on earth that rivals some of the beautiful places we have in Michigan, like the Sleeping Bear Stand Dunes mm. and the waterfalls up in the Upper Peninsula. It's just a wonderful place. You're in the Hood River area, right? Am I right? Am I, I, am, okay. I am looking out my window at Fort, or not Fort Hood, but uh, Mount Hood. Mm. Mm. Gorgeous. No capped. Oh, my goodness. What a gorgeous scene. Well, it was not a gorgeous scene for Yahoo this week, but Gary has some questions to ask you about this because um, it would seem that we've heard this new before, haven't we, Kasten? <laughs> we have, over and over. Yeah. So why is this news today when the real breach happened? In fact, they found the breach happened sometime in 2014, but they announced it at the end of 2014. Now they're announcing it again? Sure. What's going on? Sure. Well, the, it, it's a matter of the increase in the amount of information uh, that has come to bear. And, you know, not being an insider, none of us know the full story of what happened or mm-hmm. when, who knew what. But uh, uh, it became pretty apparent uh, about a month ago uh, when the names and passwords and emails and birthdays and phones and uh, some of the security questions were put on sale on what's called the dark web. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, interestingly enough, Verizon is, is buying uh, Yahoo. Yeah. They bought AOL a couple of years ago. And uh, Verizon issued a security report early this year that said that about one, only one out of 20 uh, breaches in corporate America are discovered by the Information Security Department, that uh, 19 times out of 20 or more, the breaches are discovered and reported to the organization by an outside party, either the media or uh, a, a business partner or something like that. Well, could it be so not a, uncommon. Could it be a company like yours, for instance, uh, Interwork Technology, because you're a computer and network security company? Well, we, we, we certainly uh, would like to think we can have a hand in it, and mm-hmm. we have some great technologies for that. But, you know, it's, it's a combination of things that businesses and individuals have to take care of. Yeah. You, you know, Kasten, uh, a lot of times uh, the way it's discovered is all of a sudden content, you know, p- data per- appears on the dark web for sale. Right. right? And. So that's what kind of precipitated, I think, this announcement right. is that there's more and more data now on the dark web for sale, but it's it's old data. I mean, there yeah. was a, a media company that went out and purchased some of this and then tried to get, you know, tried to see how much of that was a- the active accounts, and they couldn't find an active account in the amount that they had purchased. Right. So, you know, and we do know that that this data, or we were told, and we suspect that that's true, this data is from 2014. How, if people had changed their password back then, after that breach was announced uh, initially, they don't have to do it again. They might still want to, of course, because you <laughs> yeah. should no, keep I, it current, I, but, I, I but they don't have to. Oh, really? Okay, tell <laughs> you know, me about the, it. Uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, you know, 
uh, we know about this breach. The ones that we really have to be afraid of are the ones that we don't know about. So we need that personal commitment to ourselves that every six months we're going to change our, yeah. our passwords. And I know you mm. guys talk a lot about yeah, yeah. Uh, password managers. Yeah. Uh, Kasten, we're going we're gonna to take a quick pause here, if you don't mind. Good. When we come back, we have some other questions to go into a further this, but I'd be interested much more in hearing much more about your advice to people about their security, especially about passwords. Coming back in just a second with Kasten Thomas. It might seem like a uh, tired old story to rehash, but boy, is it important, folks. And uh, underlined again this week by news headlines, it said a half of a billion Yahoo addresses, passwords, etc., were out there in the wild. And uh, with us right now to talk about this incident is uh, Kasten Thomas, calling us from Oregon. He is the CEO of Interworks Technology, which is a computer and security company based here in the Rochester, Michigan area. Kasten, again, thank you for taking time out of a very important occasion to be with us. Happy to be here. Now, you were starting to say something just before we uh, went into the break about the importance of changing your passwords, I believe. Right, Kasten, yeah. uh, you were saying that, um, and, you know, it, it kind of makes sense if, you know, there's a breach, this information's stolen, it gets put on the dark web. A lot of times we don't even know that, that the breach has happened and the company doesn't know the breach has happened. If we change our passwords, it, you know, that takes care of the problem, right? They stole the old password, they didn't get the new password if we change them every 90 or 180 days. Is yep. that what you're thinking? And, and using sophisticated passwords, you know, using 16 digits and uh, long phrases instead of a person's dog's name and children's name with their uh, birthday. You mm-hmm. know? We've all been guilty of that. Yeah. Or, oh, definitely. You know, ABC, one, two, three. Uh, you know, those are the first things that the hackers are going to check are mm-hmm. well, common names with four digits because they know that... Uh, through studies that have been published that people do that. And another concern is that, you know, a study was done about three years ago, and it revealed that uh, 40% of people's uh, passwords on their corporate email account was the same as what they were using in their personal email account. Mm. So if a hacker discovers one password, uh, you know, hackers connect dots, and they try lots of things. And so they'll, they'll associate a person and, you know, search Google or Facebook or, or LinkedIn, find out where you are. Or Amazon, you know, so yeah. if, if you, if they get your yep. Yahoo and you happen to sync that password up with Amazon, pretty soon all your Amazon dollars and, and credits are going to be gone. Exactly. Yeah. Cal, you had something? Hey, Kasten, is the reason why most companies don't find the breaches on the inside is because they don't know where to look for them? If they knew where to look for them, they'd seal up the breach, right? Well, yeah, but uh, hackers have a way of covering their tracks. And, and, and the way I liken it is, let's say we, we think of a business and, and their data center or, or all their data like a warehouse, and that warehouse is full of candy and food and brownies and chocolate and <laughs> those kinds of things. And, you know, you've got millions of insects outside. Well, what the insects do is they find that one little crack <laughs> and then they tell all their friends about it, and all of a sudden you've got this infestation of flies or... Uh, ants. That is a great well, analogy. And, yeah. and actually, like it's, what happens a lot of times is even easier. And that is if, you know, if Cal, if somebody found out your password, they come into the system as if it's you. And 
you know, there's no breach. It's harder and harder to get past firewalls today. It's harder and harder to get, you know, there's a lot of, of technology that we're using to protect the organization. But if, Cal, if we think it's you, we're going, okay, we, want, pass. Come we, on in. we want Cal to come in because he's an employee here. And then, oh, by the way, now we've got to set up other systems that say, wait a minute. This is not usual for what Cal usually does. How come he's here in this system mm-hmm. instead of, you know, he's never been in this system before? And we don't have the technology um, easily available to say, this isn't Cal, right? Because it looks like you. It's using your account. And wouldn't you feel badly if there was a big breach at your company because somebody got your password because Ooh, you didn't use good happened. passwords. That's happened. You didn't use a good password technology yeah, right? or, or a good password uh, process. Castor, one of the things I saw in some of the news uh, was that um, they've identified, uh, or at least the claim is, that the perpetrators of this hack were uh, agents of a foreign company. They were, their country, a foreign rather, state. A yep. foreign state-sponsored hack. First of all, how do they know that? And well, let, let me start by saying I'm trained as a security professional to be skeptical and cynical, <laughs> and and I don't have the insider knowledge, but yeah. I, I look at this uh, like the, the toddler who had an ice cream cone, dropped it on the couch, and you know, mom comes in and screams at him, and, and the child says, wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, and goodness, all my analogies are involving food. <laughs> well, yeah, dinner's not served until 8. I know how that goes. <laughs> Get something to eat before the wedding, please. <laughs> Snack oh, I will, of some I kind. <laughs> well, you know, and, and this another thing that this reveals is not only did they, were the uh, user accounts IDs and passwords revealed, and it's, you just don't need to change your passwords every six months. You need to review the security on anything that you go to. Like I would go to my Amazon every six months and make sh- because a lot of times they make security policy changes, and th- now they want me to provide them with a, a mobile number and a backup mobile number as uh-huh. an example, um, so that if if I need to reset my password, they can. Um, send that um, a security yep. code well, this, to my wife's phone. Oh, yeah, that's an right. example. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, is that called two factor authentication? Yeah, two, I think it's two F, isn't it, or two factor, right? right. right. Well, it's called two factor authentication, and even you know, Yahoo has a service for all of their services that not many people know about, called the Yahoo Key account, and you don't even need a password every time you go to log in, they will send a message to your phone, oh. and on the phone you can respond, and that will log you in. I want it. I want it. Why, <laughs> do, why don't I have Google that with anything? Yahoo Key account, it'll yeah. point you right to that service. If they are so far thinking ahead, how did they land in this place? Well, was it was in 2014. Okay, okay. Yeah. Right? And well, it was I think the rest of that. us are dummies, too, because we're not changing our passwords enough, mm-hmm. and, you know... I'm as guilty as anybody of, of thinking, well, it couldn't be me. But, you know, can't, you know I st- I'm sorry, guys. I still find it hard to believe that a company like Verizon could know two years ago Yahoo. that a proper, or, well, the Verizon was buying Yahoo. Well, yeah, but now, but it happened when Yahoo, before they bought. Don't you think, Gary, you were, I mean, you work in the corporate world all the time, that, that they knew, they had to have known about this when they were in the process of purchasing. You don't think so? Well, they're trying to purchase it now. It happened yeah. two years ago to Yahoo. Well, you mean it's like a fire sale? 
No, no. I, I, I think I timing. Think it it's, happened two years ago. Yeah, it's timing. <laughs> and, and I think I, I think what's happening now now that this is in the works, that they have to like uh, open up all the barn doors yeah. and air out the place so that Verizon doesn't have any stains once they buy them right. out. You know. Mm. Yeah. I, if I were Verizon, I'd say clean this mess up y- now. Yes. That's and make sure it's cleaned up. Verizon, through their purchase of AOL, uh, the chief information security officer is Chris Nims, who happens to be a, uh, a born and raised uh, man from Traverse City, Michigan. Mm. And uh, Verizon is, I'm sure, if I was sitting in their shoes, saying, we have outstanding security people. We know about mm-hmm. this breach. We can apply our own security methods to this and clean this up ourselves. Oh, I got you. A part of the... Yeah, once they buy it. Yeah. I wonder, if they use it as a bargain. I wonder if it was a bargaining chip, knowing that they were getting damaged goods to some extent. Well, I don't know about that. You know, they're yeah. not buying it for the yeah. data, right? That's not the reason. That's not their business case for buying it. I think they need to clean up. They don't want to, like Ed said, they don't want to deal with this. You know, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, heck no. Clean this all up before we get it. And yeah. Uh, yeah. that's on your dime. Once we buy it, then it's on our dime. We want it on your dime. Cassian, I want to go back to the state-sponsored uh, uh, hacking for just a minute. Are there cer- certain things you look for that are indications that this is state-sponsored, uh, you know, hacking? Well, here I go with the food thing again, but when, when you're looking for the hacking, it's like peeling an onion. And the hackers are good at covering their tracks. Uh, I believe that, you know, and we've seen this time and time again, uh, especially recently, uh, breaches discovered and the first knee-jerk reaction is for the people responsible for protecting the data say, well, it was uh, state-sponsored, or it was the Russians. And, mm-hmm. You know, that's just a good way of saying, it's not us, it's pointing the finger at these <laughs> okay. really sophisticated okay. hackers. Scapegoating, you know, it's the dog did it. <laughs> well, and, and sometimes yeah, what the happens... the dog ate is, my homework. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes what happens is they look at the um, the scripting and whatnot, yeah, the and they say, this, this scripting is very similar to scripting that yeah. we knew came from here and here and here and here, and that we do believe is, so therefore we're making this assumption. They don't know. Well, Cassin, I want to thank you very much for taking time out of a Busy event there out in Oregon, the wedding of your son, James. Have a great time at the wedding and get something to eat before the celebration, right? Yeah, I will. I will, and I can't look forward to getting back home. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much for being with us. Back in just a moment, folks. Bye-bye. be doing a little bit of uh, hopscotching around as we do with uh, guests during our program. In case you've just kind of bumped into the Internet Advisor for the first time, uh, we've been around for 18 years, although do we kind of play peekaboo with the audiences during the uh, sports season, the football season in particular. And uh, this afternoon we're going to well, be on, on... WJR. On WJR, right. that is. Yeah, thank you for reminding me of that, because on our networks we're there at regular times for our affiliates and on the podcast as well. We're there for all two hours. And mm-hmm. uh, And today we're going to be uh, continuing on with a conversation, this time looking at something that is, you know, they they talk about the Internet of Things um, or IOT. And that is, generally speaking, the fact that just about everything, Ed, nowadays is connected. It could be your refrigerator. It could be... It could be your light bulbs that you screwed in that you bought at Home Depot. Yes. That's right. Or it could be Cal. It could everything be in your home. Yeah, well, not everything, <laughs> but I'm slowly moving it toward that particular direction. I started off with one particular protocol, and that's the Nest protocol, because I saw the Nest thermostat, and I go like, this is really cool. i got to have Let me stop you for things. a second. Protocol. What is a protocol? When well, you, say you start with the Nest uh, protocol. Language. L- let me call it a language, okay? Okay. It's like, uh, let's say Nest is Spanish. 
Uh, Apple makes a protocol called HomeKit. Ah. Uh, so that's, you know, that's Portuguese, you mm-hmm. know. So each one's a different type of thing. And there's a couple of other ones out there. So I started with Nest, but uh, I got a feeling there's going to be some convergence going on eventually where they're going to just all diverge and it'll just be one standard protocol. Well, Microsoft's working towards that, isn't it? With the Internet of Things, with Windows 10, there's a version of Windows 10 that's supposed to be able to function within that uh, Internet of Things. Yes, sir. You know, supposedly, but I haven't really experimented with that. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that when I bring up my Windows 10 system, it finds my Xbox, it finds my yeah. my uh, LG TV, it yeah. finds this, but it doesn't see any light bulbs yet. So <laughs> no light bulbs go on yet. I do have one light bulb. I made one light bulb, <laughs> and uh, and and it works. You can turn it up and down with an app. I, I I can, and you can download a little app for your phone. I forgot. I only did it a couple days ago. So my boss told me about it, and I'm I'm like I have to. Try Try this, but Cal, to your analogy, this would be like one other language. This would be French, if you will. Yeah, and Microsoft speaks in that language. Apple speaks its. Yeah, and well, you got the Amazon Echo as well, which we were talking about. So I, I could say say to the Amazon Echo, you know, dim the lights. You know, I got you. Okay, and because it speaks to these other devices, it could do that kind of thing. So, Cal, yours is hooked up to what then? Okay, so I have have two devices. Well, actually, I have three devices that that I use a lot. Nest makes a thermostat, and right. it's a learning thermostat. It will learn how you live in your house mm. and in that sort of thing. For example, if I'm out of my, if everyone in my house goes to work or my wife goes shopping, that sort of thing, and they're gone for more than an hour, the thermostat will look around and go like, hmm, there's nobody around. No humans here. So if it's the heating <laughs> season, eh, turn it down to 57. No need to heat in the house. There's nobody here. Now, how does it tell there are humans or aren't humans in the house? Proximity uh, uh, sensors. So no one's walked by that thermostat for over an hour. Okay. Hmm. Must not be anybody in the house. Okay. Or just a really short person, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like the dog or something. Dogs or cats don't... They, yeah, don't, they, oh, they, got, they got a fur coat. They don't have to worry about that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, okay. So it does that sort of thing. Uh, the other thing is that it talks to the Nest smoke and CO2 detector. Ah. So the two of them talk together, and what will happen, for example, the CO2 detector will go like, wow, there's a heavy concentration of CO2 in this house. It looks at the the thermostat and says, hey, thermostat, are you running the furnace? Because maybe it's leaking CO2, you know, carbon dioxide in the house. All right, shut off, and it'll turn the furnace off. Oh, I see. Okay. Things like that. Yeah. Or if there's a fire, if it goes off and there's a fire, well, it knows that if the furnace blower is going, that's going to feed the fire. Shut the furnace off. So wow. I've got um, the DTE Insight app. Yes. And that that's wonderful because I can say, all right, let's turn this motor off. And I can see how much you know kilowatt reduction there is. Yeah. Oh, in terms right. of electrical use. In, yes. in electrical use. Now, will eventually... All of these talk to like that Insight app from DTE. I don't know because what's going on with the D- DTE app is more a measurement of electricity and what's going on. That's right. As opposed to controlling the actual device, at least to my knowledge, yeah. mm-hmm. you can't actually control the devices, no, you but you can measure what their usage is, and then therefore tailor your lifestyle. I, I, but turn on and off this or that, and, exactly. and I can see what the use, what yeah. it does to the yeah. usage. It Correct. wouldn't be too far-fetched then, would it, to say that you know they could add something to that app or you know combine something with it that would be able to interact you, with you, whatever you would the think. Yeah, but that I, would be the next generation of, mm-hmm. of what 
uh, what Cal's doing. And that's what these protocols are for, about. Because right now, what we don't want to see happen is everyone coming up with their own list of languages to come out. That's and, the problem, and, yep. and there's no way that they can communicate. That happened with but, cars. Yes. Yeah. But the good news is is that, that the software, that you, these things are programmable. They're not hardwired like they used to be in the old days. Uh-huh. So through maybe through a simple firmware update that, uh, who knows, maybe the Nest and the home systems will share intercompatibility um, capabilities. Did some of that did, did happen with uh, car um, um, software just recently. I thought with Ford made some changes, or was it GM, some of the companies, uh, in order to get past that problem of having so many languages out there right. to simplify it. So well, other- I'd like to I'd like to know when it's going to see that my phone is driving down the highway toward my house, and it's about um, the time I would normally get home from work, and it starts to turn up my thermostat on its own. Oh, can that, it do that? Can yeah, it? you can program it to do it that way. As a matter of fact, it will learn your patterns like that, so that if you have a real regular pattern, it'll just go like, "Hmm, it's about four o'clock." Gary gets home about six. Eh, you probably want the temperature about seventy-two. <laughs> it would take me about forty-five minutes to get the house up to that temperature. I'll wait. Okay, forty-five minutes for Gary gets here. I'll fire up the furnace. By the time he walks in the door. It's at that this is what an AI conversation sounds like, folks, when they start talking to themselves. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, 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 and I have my thermostat. I have my smoke detector. I have my garage door set uh-huh. uh, I, where I can all control those remotely through the Internet as well. For example, guy's going to come by from UPS. He's going to drop off a package. I don't want it sitting out on the front porch. He pulls up. I say, hey, how you doing? Open, you know, he calls me on the phone. I open up the door. He throws it on the inside. I hit the button, close the door back. He goes. Yep. Now another thing you could do. We have a gentleman that we used to work with that in- incorporated his um, um, uh, cameras the in it as well. The oh, surveillance yeah, yeah. camera yeah. systems. There's as a well. front. Isn't there a front door system too that works right. with this thing? A phone? Yeah, it's called Ring. Ring, that's right. I've heard yes. Leo Laporte talk about it, where from anywhere in the world, he's in Sweden now, I think, he could yeah. just get on and connect to the internet and be looking at the UPS driver at the front well, door well, and talking to him as well, saying, the, no, 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 don't put it there, put it over there. Yeah, the motion detector goes off and it pops up on his app. Yes. And he says, there's somebody at your front door, you look and you go, oh. That's the UPS driver. Yep. Right? And a lot of wow. a lot of small businesses are, are investing in this because it's relatively inexpensive. Small business owners that own party stores or, you know, shops, they, they'll throw these things up there and they can surveil, you know, surve- what's our customer flow looking like? They'll integrate it into their cash registers, if oh, you will. Wow. My nephew, when we went up north to my father's a couple of weeks ago, he, he was looking at his uh, his store employees and he's like, and you can hear him just hollering, get that guy, He's he's at the expensive shelf. You better pay attention to him. He's at the expensive no shelf. No kidding. He, he, runs he was a, talking to employees? N- no. Oh, I see what you're Yeah, but he has yeah. that ability. I got, you. So, I got you. So he did eventually, when he's like 10 minutes went by and this guy's hovering around this one shelf, he, he opens up the app to the speaker that's behind the register and says, <laughs> the, yeah, and, yeah, and, and talk to his employee. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Yeah, and, and he's 700 miles away. <laughs> Oh so, yeah, can you imagine somebody sneaking around your house? The lights go on. You go, hey, you in the red. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to take anything, take that ratty old thing over there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this is my brother Mike's son, Mike, who live, now lives in Chicago. I taught him DOS when he was five years old. Oh, my word. And now he's the, one, he's the one that's worked for Oracle. <laughs> he's worked for uh, Travelocity. Oh he's worked for all these different companies. And, and now he actually works for a company that uh, does uh, rights... Um, gambling, you know, the, the casino, the electronic games. So he's not allowed in most casinos now because he knows how to do, you know, how the odds work. Isn't that incredible how this is all working together? So. Cal, what, what is your goal with all of this? 
Well, to try and automate darn near everything so that, you know, from a distance I can do anything that I want to do. I mean, for example, I, I want to save money. I want to be able to turn on lights, turn them off. Saving money is really big. Yeah, I, I, 100% I'm with that on that. And with the Nest thing, it shows you when you're saving money and how you can save more by wow. tailoring things left and right and that sort of thing. So it, it's just... It's just a matter of taking advantage of the technology and using it for what it's worth. And as you said, tying it into what, Gary, you were talking about with DTE right? Um, in you the Detroit that. area with the, um, with the power. I'm on my way home, and uh, I have a list of uh, things that I need to pick up from the grocery store because of what's in my refrigerator. Right? You have no, to so, buy seriously, have you got that going? No, I know. <laughs> well, that other thing. But, but it would be great. Well, no, it wouldn't be great for me, actually. <laughs> then I'd have to stop at the store. <laughs> yeah, that would be kind of cool. No, you don't have any, have, but you don't have to stop at the store because Meyer just started a new program where you can actually shop everything online. And oh, you have to stop to pick up the groceries. I'll just pick it up. Go but they just come right up, up to the yeah. front door, hand it to you, and you go on your way. Didn't I see something about one of the companies uh, delivering by uh, uh, drone? An emergency delivery by drone. Uh, something about 20 pounds of steak and a drone doesn't seem good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, no, no, Domino's actually is delivering pizza. The pit pizza. bull next door jumps for it. Domino's is delivering pizza okay. by drone uh, from one store in New Zealand right now because they have the laws that will allow them to do that. Here in the United States, we've kind of made it very difficult because of our laws to actually do something like that in the United well, States. Now, you drop the one, a hot no. pizza on a wallaby, you don't really care. <laughs> Yeah, well, okay. Now, the, the one the practical, the one <laughs> practical application I've heard with the drones is out in Africa and in the Congo, where they need to get vaccines fifty miles Absolutely, away right. to a village, mm-hmm. and, and the hardest part is the roads getting there, yep. so they can very quickly drop a, a load of uh, vaccines off into that. that yeah, you don't uh, have to make it frivolous to be no. be serious. I'm seeing a headline here: UPS uses drone to deliver package to Boston area island islands. Is another indicate another sense. case where you could uh, make it very. Cal, we got to keep up with this. By the way, starting this fall, Cal and I are going to be working on cord cutting. Seriously, working on cord cutting. We'll keep you involved in and, and, and involved that's in that. Cutting the cord of the cable. Is yes, that yes. Okay. We're talking more about that as we go. <laughs> Back in just a moment with Mr. Mike Brennan and the headlines from MI Tech News. It's that time in our program once again when we bring you Mr. Mike Brennan and the headlines from MI Tech News. That's a weekly news service that comes to you actually twice a week now. Uh, but you can be sure on Fridays to get all sorts of headlines about what's going on in technology and entrepreneurship and, generally speaking, what the important news stories are in our fair state of Michigan in technology. Mike, welcome once again to the show. Thanks, Foster. I always look forward to Saturdays and uh, talking to you. Well, i got to tell you, this week it must be kind of hard choosing which is the biggest story because there are a bunch of them out there. Let's start with one that kind of is near and dear to our hearts. matter of fact, we're going to be talking about it in this next hour, and that is a Tesla lawsuit against the car dealers in the state of Michigan. Filed on Thursday, yes. Uh, Well, Tesla has been pretty well told that they're not welcome in Michigan uh, by a variety of ways, (laughs) by the car dealers, by the auto dealers, by uh, by manufacturers, by the courts, and by the government. Uh, because their model is so different. They sell direct. They don't use the century-old franchise system, right. which is how all these auto dealers get their cars. They're the middleman. And Tesla would essentially do what we do on the Internet, which is eliminate the middleman. Yeah. So clearly uh, they love the idea, but, <laughs> but they think that uh, 
that their due process and equal protection clauses under the 14th Amendment, that's what they're citing, mm-hmm. have been violated, and they think that the, the courts are going to award them a chance to sell direct. Now, we're not talking about a lot of cars here. I no, mean, no, how many no, does no, Tesla yeah. sell? You know, maybe a couple thousand a year? Mm-hmm. But it's the foot in the door thing. Yep. I think the yep. auto dealers and the manufacturers are afraid. They let one in, then the whole Internet thing is going to come, you know. Yeah, and, and yeah that way. argument may have been made at one point about Amazon. But, boy, we've sort of seen that the once the camel got its nose into the tent, it kept on going. <laughs> yeah, that would actually be a prime example. But, of course, cars are much bigger, much more expensive, oh, more of a consumer kind of item. But, I mean, yeah, that's a good example of what... Yep. Internet e-tail can do to retail. So it's no small threat to the car industry. And something, as I said, we're going to be talking about a little later on. Well, one of the biggest things that happened, especially for the half billion people who are subscribers to Yahoo, is somebody hacked the system. And they think it's state-sponsored. Let me think. Uh, Who would be wanting to affect our economy (laughs) right now? I'm thinking the Ruskies, you know. But Uh, I could be wrong. Uh, I have no evidence to that. (laughs) But anyway... Uh, first thing they said in their announcement is if you do have a Yahoo account, change your password. Right. But depending on what you put in there for your security questions for, if you got your birth date in there, hopefully that's your social security number. If you do that, they've got the keys to the kingdom. And then you better yeah. check your uh, your Transcon accounts all the time to make sure that you haven't got identity theft plaguing mm. you. And that is a big, big thing, folks. And this isn't just a matter of a simple password change, identity theft. It's, as you said, the key to the kingdom is there with some of the data that's in there. So start taking your making your changes if you have a Yahoo account. Kind of wonder what this will do to the Yahoo purchase by uh, by Verizon. Yeah, that came up. Verizon is not too happy about this, and this is this was something that happened a while back. They just finally got around to announcing it, Ow. which is even worse. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like worse. <laughs> it's horrible. I mean, because this has been going on and nobody knows about it. Finally, oh well, I've got to tell you something now. Yeah, that's not yeah. good. Oh my. Okay, well, one of the other things has to do with another one of the carriers. Only this is perhaps good news. Matter of fact, it could be very good news for a lot of people, and that's a project called AirGig which has, uh, they released the information about it on uh, this week, and that's AT&T. Yeah, AT&T, the old Ma Bell, Mm. uh, that had been, that was disassembled at one time and somehow reformed. (laughs) It's an amazing story. Uh, But anyway, yeah, so they've got this, actually, it's kind of, uh, I was looking at the technology, and there's a video on my website, because I was really trying to understand it. Mm -hmm. It It's almost like a radio transmission tower on top of the the poles where you have electricity, And then it beams out. It doesn't actually go through the wires, but the wires make it pass to the next one and next one and next one. Uh, So essentially, you don't have to build cell towers. Uh, Mm -hmm. You don't have to bury cables. And for third world countries or places that don't have very good infrastructure... Uh, could be simple for everybody, and this could be moved from 4G to 5G, and then 5G is like, wow, it's like broadband cable Yeah, speeds. right now that's the holy grail for all of them. And this must be, it's important to say, by the way, folks, we want to do a program on this a little later on down the uh, in the fall, but it's not BPL or broadband over power lines, which went through the lines. This is actually kind of riding on top of them, surfing on them, as almost like yeah. a highway rather than having to go through it. So it's not going to interfere with the power line and power transmission itself. Yeah, and it's, it seems to be something to do, I think, the magnetics and the resonance mm-hmm. and all that. 
but that you were getting way outside of my area I know. of expertise. <laughs> I, listened, I listened to the entire press conference, and at the end of it, I thought, i got to go to YouTube and see if there's any videos there. Unfortunately, there were some videos. Well, Mike, thank you. These are just some samples, folks, of the headlines that Mike has on MI Tech News every week. And it's so simple to get this key to this information. That's simply going to MITechnews.com and uh, subscribing for free. Put your email address in there, and you're in like Flynn. Or go to internetadvisor.net, scroll down the page to Mike's smiling face, and you can subscribe right there as well. Mike, you have yourself a great weekend. Thanks, Foster. You too. You know what we're going to do, by the way, uh, for Mike and for the rest of us is we are going to be posting the audio from the press conference where they described in great detail for those of you who are mechanically or engineeringly, cons- uh, um, uh, you've got those kind of uh, abilities and interests. Ed, for instance, who loves to tinker with those kind of things. We're going to post that entire audio there so you can listen to all the details they had about Air Gig. It's absolutely fascinating. And then there's a video out there as well that we'll try to put a link to on, on right. YouTube as well. And, uh, you know, it's... It's interesting only from the standpoint that it now starts to really help in the third world, right? mm. and that's getting broadband into the third world. Well, what and, and, it, and then you don't have to worry about um, booster rockets exploding on the launch pad to get a satellite into exactly. the air, like like Google's satellite mm-hmm. that exploded, yeah. and, and yeah. they didn't that they had intended to use to offer broadband connections in Africa. First. Is Gladwin part of the third world? Because I think they can benefit from it. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> what, what I'm hoping this does, if they can do this, it's another competition against cable companies which oh, seem to have a stranglehold huge. On, on internet access. And since our, our our electrical companies are already utilities, right? Right. And, 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 and wasn't this whole um, internet thing about the cable companies and, um, you know, to make them into a utility company? Hmm. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens because uh, there's no need to build a new delivery system because it's there. It's the wires that are already hung there. And the other thing that they said is that you don't have to get into the wires. You don't have to unpack them anyway. They kind of surf, this this whole system surfs along the top of those things and goes between these plastic uh, antennas, and that's the other point that they kept on yep. making is these are going to be very cheap to be able to build. So I think the biggest challenge will be, Cal, to see what the, 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 the power companies do and the cut they want to take from this. Well, the power companies originally were going to give you internet over the wire anyway at one time. It's called BPL, Broadband Over Power Lines, and it didn't work. And I'm wondering whether this is even going to work well. Well, Well, this this is is different. This is different, where before you need to have boosters, and and they were actually converting uh, radio signals and and modulating it over the electrical uh, supply at 20,000 volts. This just rides over the surface, and no power. I mean, these little plastic antennas actually re, um, you know power themselves through the the natural frequency fluctuations of the electric electricity See, already flowing over the lines this. and then they yeah. because they're they're only yeah. five foot away they just broadcast that signal from right. one line to another because right. they're electrically isolated and then it just broadcast it just makes perfect sense to me yeah we've talked with Charlie <laughs> Hopper about I just wish I could express it <laughs> they, they talked Charlie Hopper talked about doing this in, up I think it was in Sheboygan with Wi-Fi dropping down into a neighborhood and then using these things different to repeat technology. it. It's a different technology, different technology. to repeat it. Right. But They'll be rephrasing it squirrel net later. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they said this could possibly be in use between 2018 and 2020. Right. That's just their big test right now. Two to four years away and we could be seeing this and it could be huge. Anyway, it's called Project Air Gig and it's from AT&T. We'll try to be following up on that. 
Well, for most of you folks, we will take a pause here and see you back next Saturday. For the rest of you, stay tuned, our network affiliates. We're going to be back with another whole hour and a dear friend of ours from Silicon Valley Way, Mr. Mike Amon, is going to be with us. Paul Eisenstein from the Detroit Bureau as well. He's going to be talking about the future of car ownership and lots of other good stuff coming up in our second hour of the Internet Advisor. You've been listening to the Internet Advisor Show. Detroit's longest-running, locally-produced computer show with Foster Brown, Gary Baker, and our team of experts. For more information about our weekly show, to ask a question of our experts, or find the show notes for this podcast, visit internetadvisor.net and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. Don't forget to check the other great podcasts available on this podcastdetroit.com network. Thank you for listening. Welcome to hour number two of the Internet Advisor, kind of a special one. We are recording with some dear friends here in studio and on the line with us. My name is Foster Brun. I'm the co-host and producer of the program, along with Gary Baker and Ed Rudell. Kel Carson in studio, and we also have a guest, Mike Amon, from, well, very near Silicon Valley. We'll be talking with him. And then also Paul Eisenstein from the Detroit Bureau, talking about the future of the car industry in our fair state of Michigan. I'd like to start by thanking Rich Luzinski, who's our engineer and our producer today, our screener, everything under the sun, doing a great job back there behind the glass, as we say. Thanks, Rich, so much for all your efforts. And uh, welcome to the second hour of the Internet Advisor. And today we've got a very special program lined up. And part of that is we have a dear friend of ours who's back in studio again, Mr. Mike Amon, fresh off the plane. (laughs) Yes, an early morning flight into Denver and into Detroit again. It's great oh, to be here, Foster. The joys of air travel. Mike, why don't you give us our full, your full title so people know who you are. Uh, I'm president and CEO of the Sam Joaquin Partnership, and we talk about Greater Silicon Valley. So you're the, you're the part of Silicon Valley. You're kind of the next valley over, but you're affordable, eh? Hey, we're affordable, <laughs> and we've got to put a job together with that affordable house. I just computed back from Facebook on Friday, and it took us about three hours, and it might have been 75 miles. Oh, my we got to talk about Facebook. Yeah, um, well, we're going to talk more, more yeah. about your adventures out there, but right now we have a unique opportunity to talk with Paul Eisenstein, who's been our guest here on the program a number of times, is the chief reporter for the, or editor, rather, for the Detroit Bureau. And, he he uh, is the Detroit he Bureau. He is the Detroit Bureau, <laughs> that's right. Paul, first of all, I, our deepest sympathies for you on the loss of a dear friend of yours, and you. I know this is a, has yeah, been I'm a tough day for that. you, and thank you for taking time out of that to be with us as well. Paul, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on was because of a, a bunch of headlines that have popped up recently. One of them we f- referred to in our last, um, near the end of our last hour with uh, Mike Brennan with MI Tech News headlines, and that was uh, that Tesla is uh, back again in the courts, this time suing to get back into the car market here in Michigan with its own um, its own style of selling, essentially online selling, if you will, or non-dealership selling, perhaps best. I need, what are your comments on that? Yeah, uh, and, and by the way, to throw a shameless plug out here, we've been covering it, Tesla, very extensively on thedetroitbureau.com. And um, it's an interesting company to watch because they are trying to break the paradigm on a lot of different models, one of which is, of course, the retail side, as you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't want to have the classic dealer model that we have seen as the norm since before Henry Ford started marketing the Model T. 
they want to have factory-run stores. Mm. And that flies in the face not just of, of precedent and history, but in the face of law. In many states, that simply doesn't fly. Uh, Tesla has so far been able to open up shops only in about 23 states mm-hmm. and the District of Columbia. And one of the states that's told them to go take a battery-powered hike has been... <laughs> Has been Detroit. I'm sorry, Michigan. Yeah. Uh, the governor, as you know, uh, basically took steps that bars them from from uh, setting up showrooms here unless they go to a franchise model. Uh, would that put Tesla out of business? No, uh, mm. but uh, it's certainly something that they don't want to change at the moment. I think long term they may. And the approach that they're taking is to battle the state in court. Now, they've battled a few other states, and they've had mixed results. What's interesting here is that they are using a very different tactic. Uh, the, The lawsuit against Michigan goes to federal court. And they're arguing that this is a constitutional issue, mm. uh, that they're being deprived of their right to sell vehicles, uh, that this is a fundamental constitutional issue. And so, to, 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 to end a long comment, uh, if they win there, this could be basically the national precedent they want. It yeah. could basically uh, end their dispute on a state-by-state level and give them... Uh, a victory that would basically allow them to change things nationwide. The flip side, you know that a lot of the dealer groups are not happy about this. Oh, because Lord, no. If they get away with this, if the feds say, yep, you're right, uh, dealer, uh, car makers and states mm-hmm. can't keep you from uh, setting up your own distribution network, uh, then that's probably going to change the way everything is done in the car business. Cal? So if it's all about, you know, changing the model and doing things different than traditional franchise, couldn't they just sell the vehicles over the Internet and just have service centers in those areas? Uh, it, it's a question mark whether they could have their own factory service centers. I, I'm not absolutely certain. I haven't gone through the Michigan law closely enough to know if that even would be barred. But uh, it's, it's uh, definitely an issue uh, that also is restricted, the, the Internet sales. Uh, that mm. is barred almost everywhere in the country. Uh, so they would have a hard time finding a way to get around that. Uh, and I think that mm. if they win on the factory-owned dealer uh, solution, they will probably also be going to set up a, a an online distribution network. You know, so, so, Paul, I I understand why the dealers don't, they're franchise owners. I understand why they don't want the companies to sell directly to the customers. But why would it matter to the customer? And wouldn't it actually be better for the customer to deal directly with a, a, a factory-owned store simply because there's been finger-pointing in the past? No, this is a dealer problem. No, this is a, you know, this is a GM problem or Ford or whoever. And... I, I'm I'm just trying to figure out if this is a restriction of trade. I know that I'm probably going to get thrown out of Michigan <laughs> for saying this, but isn't this a restricted restriction in the ability for them to just 
sell cars. And uh, doesn't it help our, our consumers to be able to do that? Now, Paul, I'm going to ask you if you could just a moment. We're going to take a break for uh, some commercials and come back in just a second. I want you to get a chance to respond to that. Yeah. And Mike Amon also has a, a question for you coming up. We're talking with Paul Eisenstein, who is the editor of the Detroit Bureau. And you can find out more information about that at thedetroitbureau.com. Paul, we'll be back with you in just a minute. And with Gary and the rest of the folks in studio, including Mr. Mike Amon, who's here. And uh, we'll follow up on this in just a moment. Once again, I want to thank Mr. Paul Eisenstein, who was with us from the Detroit Bureau, the DetroitBureau.com, a great place to uh, funnel the car industry in its many phases, uh, both locally and internationally as well. Paul, thank you again for being with us. Again, my pleasure. Also in studio with us, we're delighted to have Mike Amon with us from uh, San Jose, California. Mike, you had a, a question or a Well, you know, Gary and I go way back as entrepreneurs starting online technologies. I see an opportunity here to service those Tesla machines that are coming. And remember, uh, he's got 375,000, give or take, Model 3s that he wants to produce. So we just tack it on, Gary, to Jiffy Lube or some other kind of franchise. And uh, you pull your Tesla in there. And if you don't have a Tesla, we'll take care of you, too. Hmm. And you're really speculating. Paul, I... You know, I first of all, you know, it must have been John Smith that asked that question. I have no idea who would have asked that kind of a question and still wants to live here in Michigan. But, oh. That's why I live in California. Yeah. But, but you know, isn't it better for the consumer, or would how would it affect the consumer if we allowed? Tesla to sell cars here. Yeah, how would this not because, be better for the consumer? Because they're talking, what they want to do, the real problem is they'll open up a dealership here. That's not the problem. The problem is it's a factory-owned dealership in supposed, right. instead of a franchise dealership. And that's the only difference. And so how does that make a difference? And why can't we here in Michigan buy Teslas? Well, I'm not going to try to lay out the entire dealer position. Um, I'll probably get it wrong anyway. I, I think <laughs> we had Rod Alberts from the Detroit Auto Dealers, for example, up here. Uh, he'd add a few more points to what I'll say. And you are uh, much more politically correct than I just was, <laughs> so I do, I do acknowledge that. <laughs> well, here, here's one issue that has traditionally been laid out, which is that dealers tend to be local. They tend to be more plugged into the community. They're more responsive to the community. Uh, that uh, factories tend to have a very big difference. Uh, you know, they're, they're more interested in just churning out machines and getting them out in the market whatever way they can, and that the dealer acts as sort of a local consumer-oriented buffer. Now, critics would say, wait a second, dealers are often seen as the weak link in the chain and often are the ones who get faulted, and uh, certainly we, we've all heard the stories and complaints over the years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, another argument against that post is uh, another big change that's occurred over the last two decades, which is the rise of the mega dealer, the corporate mega dealer. You may recall that that a lot of the automakers fought tooth and nail to keep out players like AutoNation and the Asbury Group. Oh, yes. Okay, and they lost that battle and uh, now uh, quite comfortably deal with outfits like AutoNation. In fact, uh, it can be argued that they have done a lot to improve the retail system uh, you know that that can be argued back and forth. So I think that the argument over a factory dealership, 
can probably be made. Uh, I will say that in a number of cases where, say, Ford and GM and uh, other manufacturers have briefly operated their own stores, and that has happened in the past, uh, usually just for a couple of years, sometimes because they take over an important outlet in, in a market where the, the original owner may have gone bust or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, they haven't worked out very well. They haven't done a very good job. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I will also point out is that uh, there's something called the Pied Piper Survey, uh, which is done by a fellow by the name of uh, Fran O'Hagan. He uses mystery shoppers, you know, the folks that pretend to be uh, shoppers and they yeah. go around to to uh, retailers or dealers or whatever. And one of the things he found was that uh, Tesla was not doing a very good job of retailing at their factory-owned stores where they do exist. Uh, part of it being that some stores were doing extraordinarily well. The good stores were about the best they would be, and the bad stores were horrible. So, uh, you know, Tesla's had quality problems with their products. Maybe they just don't really have a good idea of how to run their retail network. Can I, can I chime in? It's kind of a dummy here. I mean, I'm not a, an economist or anything like it, but, I mean, as a consumer, I just think, boy, why not give the, cons- the customers another chance to get a better deal? And, and if this kind of shakes it up, I, kinda, I, I almost think that we're back like in the early 1900s when you suddenly had the, you know, the car come in to the market here, and there, were, there was a scramble for different ways of selling them. Why not let free enterprise go? I mean, that's been kind of the hallmark of America. Well, the argument for free enterprise can be that uh, you should have the middlemen. You should have the, the retailers who fight it out among themselves. And that's a big issue. You know, there's been a push to try to streamline the distribution network. I don't know if you heard, but Cadillac just announced that they're going to be basically buying out, uh, what is it, three, 400 smaller dealers around the country so that they're actually having fewer dealers, much like some of their... Uh, overseas competition. The uh, argument that, that the manufacturers make is that they need fewer dealers, not more. Mm. Uh, some of that has to do with, you know, the, the the issue of battling dealers and all the, the scams that dealers used to be accused of. Uh, but a, a counter-argument is what they're really trying to do is take the competition out and have fewer dealers so that there's less likely going to be uh, a battle between uh, uh, east, east side of Detroit uh, Cadillac versus west side of Detroit Cadillac, <laughs> where they're, you know, they're cutting deals and doing uh, tricks to try to uh-huh. get you to buy from them as opposed to the other guy. Uh, and, and would that happen the same thing if Tesla is here? It's, it's still too early to tell. Uh, mm-hmm. But the fact is that you could argue that by having factory stores, Tesla gets a little bit too much control of the deal. You really have no bargaining power as a consumer. Well, you know, I've heard of a lot of people talk that this is just like a big box coming in, and uh, it'll drive some of the... Well, the Walmart. Model. Yeah, it'll, mm-hmm. it'll drive some of the local, you know, Main Street merchants smaller merchants out of business and and that's the reason we don't want to allow it and uh you know i don't i don't know if if that's the right reason or not because prices have come down and cadillac in your example why have cadillac compete with cadillac why they're they are struggling to compete with everybody else the other brands Mm. well again one of the arguments is that by having options you have more choice you have Mm. more opportunity to to strike a deal. If if I want Tesla and the only place to go is the Tesla store, 
uh, and I don't have dealers who have a vested interest in in trying to get the best deal that they can get uh-huh. uh, to keep their store open. But it's a factory that's going to charge you no matter what, and you have less bargaining power as a consumer. But but Paul, yeah, um, when they give you a deal, they give you a deal out of their cut. They're still making money. <laughs> yeah, but so uh, if you took the whole dealer cut out and gave it to the consumer because the Tesla has to go compete against Cadillac and and the other brands, right. And let the brands, there's forty of them, right? With how many different models? Over oh, I 40. know, I, I I get. You. So I'm I'm thinking, but, but you the know, flip side is that that store, the factory part of their business model is to make a profit on the retail side as well. And don't kid yourself, maybe. Maybe it's not a a middleman trying to make money, but Tesla wants to make money, and they're going to okay, build in better. they're going to build in a profit for that store as well. They're not running that store as a loss leader. So, uh, and with with more control over the process and less option for the consumer, the argument is, and I'm not saying I buy this. I'm just saying this right. is the argument yeah. mm-hmm. that. Uh, that uh, you get a better deal with more option. Uh, and it, it's no surprise that manufacturers want to have fewer retail outlets. Uh, that runs their prices up. If yep. Tesla is trying to argue the same thing, we want to have complete control of the, pro- of the process, you can guarantee they see that as a way to make more money, Paul, not less. Paul, uh, we're just going to wrap things up here. When do you think this drama is going to start playing out in the courts? Uh, that could happen anytime soon. I'm not sure of the pace. Uh, they went to federal district court in Grand Rapids, and I really don't know how soon this is going to play out. Um, if if the state starts to look at this and think they're going to lose, they may try to step in and see if they can come up with a compromise. Mm, very interesting. Paul Eisenstein, who is the editor of the Detroit Bureau, uh, visit him at thedetroitbureau.com. Thank you so much for being with us. And again, our deepest sympathies and loss of your dear friend. Thank you. Very Have much yourself for that. a great day. Thank you so much. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm dying to hear about Mike Mon and his visit to Facebook. Got to hear what that's like. And also, the Gigafactory. All that coming up. Once again, I'd like to thank Rich Wazinski, who's been our engineer for this program and for the entire, well, for the entire program, juggling grenades back there behind the glass. Thanks also my companions in studio. This is Dress Up Day, and you'll see what that means coming up very soon. We'll have it on our, our website. And uh, thank you, Gary, for making that possible. Gary Baker, of course, Ed Verdell, back in the house again. Ed's good to have you here. Always great, Foster. I should mention, Ed is and continues to answer questions online. Now, you may notice with a pre-recorded program, we're not having people calling in about this time. Uh, but we are continuing to take your calls and questions. I should say we take your questions through our email link. And that is through the contact button at the top of our internetadvisor.net page. And also, you can go to the bottom of our webpage when the show notes are posted and there's a comment box there and you can put your question in there and send that off to ed and cal and gary and myself and uh, we'll, and we'll probably read that to you in the next following week or so that's right. because we're going to be preempted quite a bit this year and as during the winter months and into the spring very often that happens to us so what we're going to do is we use that then as the time as you said ed as a way of uh, extending ed's excellent advice and cal's and gary's and mine for you folks out there who have questions. So you're getting the individual care that you want for your individual uh, challenge. Matter of fact, we have one that you were dealing with this week, Ed, that had been around since January, I think, trying out different solutions. Yes, this guy was... (laughs) 
uh, yeah, very persistent. He found his own solution. None of my suggestions worked, but they sent him in the correct direction, and and he even provided me some utilities I didn't know about. There you go. So and, it's, we, uh, and we like that help. Yep, so thanks. Good, good for both of us to yeah. do that. I want to reintroduce uh, Mike Amond, who is with us here from San Jose, California, where you're involved essentially, I, I, if I understand correctly, in kind of promoting um, business that's out there, online business, well, yeah. any kind he's, of business. He's president you? of the Economic Development Corporation for San Juan King Valley. Which is the San Juan King Partnership. And it's the valley next to Silic, the famed Silicon Valley. Although, as you were saying before, Mike, it actually is kind of overgrown. <laughs> yes. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, the U.S. Census uh, made us part of the greater uh, uh, San Francisco, uh, what we call SMSA. So that we're in right. really Statistical a metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. We're a mega region, if you like, sure. of uh, close to 12 million people out there. You know, and with the traffic that's out there, I can see why... So many uh, different think tanks out there are trying to get drones to work. If it takes you, how many, three hours to go 75 miles, I could see why they're trying to get these drones to work, you know? Actually, it's autonomous vehicles. That's right. Well, the bus, wasn't the Google bus was a big deal a while back. Well, yes, the buses uh, do come out, pick people up in the morning, not only Google, Facebook, uh, all of the leader, uh, leading uh, high-tech companies have buses. Uh, and, of course, you jump could on the bus and you're on Wi-Fi. Internet advisor okay. could uh, help sure. some uh, person out there <laughs> on, the bus. on the bus, actually. Yeah, but, uh, connected all the time. Yeah, they're connected all the time. Well, mm-hmm. and, and you have to go out a ways from the center of Silicon Valley to find affordable housing. And I don't, oh, mean, I don't mean affordable in the way that we think of it here. I mean, <laughs> you know, anything under a million dollars that you can live in, right? Oh, and you Lord. can actually find reasonable places to live in San Joaquin. So my version is that uh, we have planned communities. So, for instance, I have one that's going to have 11,000 homes, but it already has uh, two STEM schools. It has uh, 5 million square feet entitled for office space. And so you can live, work, play, and Uh, belong and belong mm -hmm. in a place rather than be out on the expressway. And that's a big deal, isn't it? The business of belonging. Uh, Because in some ways, uh, that part of the United States, California, is very much a... um, Oh, I was going to say pilgrim. Uh, what's the other <laughs> word to use? But it's transient kind well, of a culture let me, in many ways. Let me, let me give you another example. So Apple uh, is going to open up their new headquarters. That's right, the face, space saucer. Well, they call it a spaceship. I call it a donut, but maybe that's because of my Midwestern uh, <laughs> you, you, values. <laughs> you were maybe just hungry when you saw it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, how much frosting and sprinkles you'd have to put on that <laughs> rascal? Another thing you don't know, I, I do have a donut shop right across the street from me, uh, <laughs> my office. Anyway, uh, the point being is they're going from 2,300 people in their existing headquarters to 12,000. Oh, my goodness. And so can you imagine 12,000 people showing up, mainly in buses, because they're not along any kind of rail or other, you know, BART or Caltrain. And so that's just the people that are working there. Uh, people are coming to see them and the rest. And when I, uh, you probably uh, aren't aware of this, but when we went to Facebook the other day, they have valet parking. And uh, back on the electric vehicle, I have a plug-in uh, Ford uh, 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 product that I, mm-hmm. that I use. And, of course, uh, they have all kinds of plug-ins and okay. all kinds of Teslas and whatnot right in the uh, uh, parking lot. But you just pull up and they take care of your car for you. Well, they just plug you in and, and get you charged up. Now that just woke up something in me. <laughs> what, when we get these autonomous cars, Gary, what are we going to do with the valets? 
<laughs> so um, they'll be I the think, ones who are plugging I in. I think and plugging what out. they're going to go do yeah. is they're going to build. They're going to maybe make buggy whips. Who knows? <laughs> I'm, th- I'm thinking maybe that we're going to go back to a time. Remember, you used to go to the Texaco station, and a hundred people would come out and service your car. Oh, yeah, I, th- I think I think Mike sounds. Maybe something. we'll go back to service just again. Come out and plug them in and wash them off yeah. and stuff. Exactly. Like that. Well, they exactly. won't be our cars, right? <laughs> right, um, right, right. They'll right. just they'll right. just drop us off and go pick up somebody else. Folks, you'll, you know what's you'll fascinating? Never own a car? Oh my God! You know what's fascinating about this so conversation, wonderful. guys? The two of the people who were talking here, Gary and Mike, were there forty years ago. When the the internet did, wasn't born, but I mean, internet service providers, you were the first one in yeah. the state of Michigan with with online tech, right? With but online technology. Um, but um, Mike, before that, Mike and I used to go out and do um, do visits out to Silicon Valley, and I remember one time at Autodesk mm-hmm. going out. That was cool. They had a we walked out on the dock and uh, got under their floating office. <laughs> um, I don't know. Facebook's not quite that cool, well, but hey. Facebook. But tell us about the, the well. Facebook is uh, Sun Micro's old campus. Oh, it, okay. And so a little insight is and uh, and Sun was was well, was started by Scott McNeely, who the, the uh, Detroit, who graduated on the same day in 1973 from Cranbrook, yeah. that Steve Ballmer yeah. right, graduated. Three miles south of there. Name dropping uh, anyone? From, uh, <laughs> and Steve Ballmer was the CEO of Microsoft for a long time, and the two hated each other, and they oh, dear. they went to high school three miles apart. Yeah, and they live in two different cities uh, <laughs> right get, at the moment. But, gotta keep them apart but, still. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, I've carried on that tradition that I uh, uh, had with Gary and uh, and recruiting companies back then to, to Ann Arbor come, come back and into Michigan. Michigan. Yep. And I still think there's opportunities to do that, uh, certainly with the growth. Uh, we see uh, other states that are actively involved in trying to recruit uh, high-tech companies. But as I said, Apple's going to open up a headquarters of 12,000 people. And so they have a tendency to really cling together. And Foster, I will send you a couple photos of just mm. the work environment. And uh, it's really different. Uh, and you can see how people work and eat uh, it seems like they have food all throughout uh, the <laughs> venue. They have also, I'll send you one that has a whole rooftop uh, park oh, that's right, on yeah. it. And uh, with trees and paths. That's uh, all that green space about for a, energy, talk too. Talk about an, an energy, green, a green building, right, that has uh, has grass. That they've gone another step further, having Doesn't more than GM grass Doesn't GM have something like that in this area? Yeah, you know, well, they used to do something like that a long time ago. They used to call it indentured servitude. <laughs> they provided everything for you. <laughs> That's true. Just stay here at work. We'd like to no, have you No, but they around. forced more you food, to. These guys food. just entice you to. And the people that work there want to. Yeah, no, it, we. Uh, it, it it's very true. Uh, uh, as such, is you everything is taken. You, you can have your cleaning done. You can get a barber, uh, your haircut done, massage. Uh, massages there. They have a bar. Uh, they have wonderful food. 
just a, a massage uh, at a spa. So, so I mean, I, I, well, I mean they have to fat, with that amount of traffic. I wonder if we have a culture of fat zombies that are going out there. Yeah. Well, most of them didn't look fat either, so, and I don't know something. how. But the benefit mm. that you reap from it is that they're not wasting their time commuting right. to go take yep. care of all these different things. And if they just happen to have some creative juices going on right then and there... They're there at work to be able to exercise. Is it really that flexible? I'm not saying that that's bad. I'm just saying that there's an opportunity. Well, and they have to do that because they they want the best and brightest people, and they want them focused on the stuff that they're interested in doing, the people that are interested in doing it. And, and, you know, I know lots of kids, and I say kids, you know, less than 35, right? (laughs) (laughs) I know lots of people that... um, if you took away all of that extraneous stuff that I don't have to pay much attention to, I want to go do this. I, I think it's cool to go mm-hmm. help out and do the kind of technology that Facebook wants them to do and is hires that, them to is do. Is it really but, that? I mean, thinking of this, you've got, I'm sorry, Kelly. Go but voting and, you know, tagging off what you've been talking about with, with the product, if we got rid of all these perks that we're laying on these millennials, wouldn't we be able to produce product that would be cheaper? Hmm. Well, <laughs> you wouldn't be able to produce a product because you need the people. And the way you get your people, they're, they're not doing this out of the goodness of their heart. They're doing it because they want to keep the people and get them there. Yeah, All right. right, we should go to the break. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we're going to take a pause and be back in just a moment to continue here at the Internet Advisor. Welcome back to the Internet Advisor, Foster Brown, your co-host and uh, producer of the program. But we've been having a ball here, doing all sorts of things with Mike Amon, having fun on air and off. Mike is uh, kind of an interesting. Mike, you've been bringing the culture, I think, in many ways, that storied culture of the uh, the West Coast and Silicon Valley. My wife and I just watched The Intern last night <laughs> with Robert De Niro and uh, the girl from The Princess Diaries. Um, Oh, I forget her name. I don't know, but that was a good movie. Anne Hathaway. That was a great movie. It was a, yes, and what I was thinking of is the culture that is expressed in it. I don't know if it's anything close to the kind of culture you ran into. What are some of the things, key things, images that stuck on your mind from that visit to Facebook? Well, uh, right at the front, uh, there's a sign that says, leave your ego at the door. And of course, Mm. they have PhDs and uh, world-class type people that walk through that door, uh, and so you got a sense all the way through the tour uh, with the uh, gal that uh, toured us, Alicia. She uh, she wakes up in the morning and she's working, uh, and she's a legal person uh, in Europe, works throughout the day in Silicon Valley, and then before she goes home at night is talking to Asia. Mm. Now, the interesting thing, and she's a young woman, say, uh, you know, in her mid 20s yeah, yeah, thirty something. Yeah, thirty something, <laughs> and uh, she's never traveled to Europe or Asia yet. Mm. Yet she is uh, working on an international scale for Facebook with other Facebook employee uh, employees, but also contractors, people that she's never really yeah. physically met. So I, it's a different mm. kind of environment uh, as well as the culture of high standards and it's kind of self-imposed Interesting, a culture of high standards yeah too. it's very much so that comes across very quickly i you know you had uh, mentioned during the break something about a chalkboard that's there for people to see which i found fascinating yeah uh, they have these huge wall uh, chalkboards uh and you might think that's unusual because everyone has panels and displays and whatnot uh but it's a simple uh, chalkboard and it says uh, what's on your mind 
and uh, they uh, people walk by and add things uh, all day. Uh, if you're a visitor, you say, "Hey, uh, it's great to you know have me here today," or whatever. Uh, uh, and so uh, there are signs throughout. And, and another aspect of the culture that they've started just bre- uh, recently is they have in-house artists, and the artists come in and just use the walls and everything. Oh, wow. Uh, and you can put up signs and, and just uh, display whatever your vision is. The one that uh, I read that was really interesting, because I have a five-year-old grandson, it says, when will we connect the whole world, question mark? Well, I think that five-year-old is going to see that. And, I think so, yeah. Zucker- and then, then think about what that means. Yeah, that's been uh, one of Zuckerberg's uh, dreams, the head of yeah. uh, Mark Zuckerberg, the head of, uh, of Facebook. Oh, I was just going to say, it was a good thing he called it chalkboard, not blackboard, because I think blackboard <laughs> is like a competitor's product. <laughs> well, it is actually black. Yeah. It is a blackboard, yeah. uh, but I did say uh, chalkboard. They're, they're going back to blackboards, eh, as opposed to yeah, you know, no, the whiteboards. It, it, it's a real interesting blend of tradition, Yes, uh, including the food, uh, because we had barbecue. Uh, but you had Indian food, you had Asian food, you had Mexican, any kind of food that you could think I wonder how long it took him to teach him how to use that chalk. <laughs> well, you know, most people, most of the young people today are not learning cursive. Exactly. Yes. Oh, right, right. Uh, yeah. You wonder if anybody can well, read what you we're know, And it's also, yeah, you're tapping into the artistry of, of a person when, you, when they start uh, drawing things sure. and writing things, and there's that tactile feedback, and that's what you need. It, it really spurs the creative side, I, and that's yeah. what Facebook is looking for. And I love for. it, too. That there's also the sense of that something really, really unique and revolutionary may spring from that. Yes. Mike, did you come back? Is, is there a message for folks like <laughs> Gary and Ed? I'm going to, pardon me, uh, like... Uh, Ed and Cal, who work for a major corporation here in the Detroit metropolitan area, is there a message that you think we could bring back here? Well, we uh, actually took some of our county officials uh, down with us. I had the head of IT and the chairman of the board for San Joaquin County with me. And uh, they were interested in just looking at this environment. Another thing that we have done is our uh, chief uh, administrative officer, she had a session with Google here a few months back. Mm. And so learning about a 10x experience, in other words, let's don't do it incrementally. Let's change the whole environment and increase the overall productivity. So San Joaquin County and the leadership here, uh, I've taken Gary down and shown him uh, the new cultures. Mm -hmm. Well, we're actually taking our governmental people in there and showing them. And our discussion coming back in the car over that three hours was a lot about, gee, can we do some of this stuff? Can we have farm to fork because we're a big ag area? Uh, Could we have uh, healthy food, not just any food uh, in in the county building, for Mm -hmm. example? Sure. But yes, it's... uh, I'm always trying to bring people along so that they can see the change, the rapid change uh, that we're all experiencing out there. Do so you guys? It, so it means me and Ed need to go to work and ask for more food and like, <laughs> more toys and the whole shit. Yeah, you know, I will say this though. I, w- I went down to the Quicken Building downtown. Somebody gave me a, a tour of. Uh, matter of fact, one of the uh, Apple folks, um, Bill. Um, Bill Carver. Bill Carver, thank you very much. Gave me a, a tour down there, my grandson as well. I was fascinated with the, this. The whole atmosphere was so relaxed. You know, whether you want to have your desk at one height or other, it, yep. it's, it's very friendly and involved. And, and, and there's food, you know, it's not the sense of don't, let's count all those staples or all those paper clips. And in case you took some of them home, it's none of that. 
There's none right. of that. Yeah, Take as much as you want of that drink or whatever, and and somehow they're doing incredibly well. Yeah, so, uh, I know I've turned into a, grou- a grouchy old man over the years because <laughs> I, I, I got to say that it is not that I don't like it, but it is a weird paradigm for someone who mm-hmm. grew up before these millennials. Yep. And it's really strange because you sit there and you watch over the years how things went from everyone had an office mm-hmm. to everyone was in an open environment to back to cubicles to back to an open environment. It just it's over and over again the same old cycle, but it seems new to the group that's involved with it and innovative and that sort of thing. And I got to learn to just kind of roll with the flow and don't worry about it. The only thing that changes is the fact of more change. Mm, <laughs> le plus exactly. se change, le rien se change. Mike, it's been a delight having you with us, and I know there's many more tales you could tell. Mike has promised to give us some um, some pictures that we're going to be posting. Uh, we'll put a portfolio up there of uh, some of your experience of of Facebook so we can see more of that. And I, I'd love to have you talk about your, your visit to the Gigafactory, which is uh, was out in the desert where they produce... Uh, out in um, Reno. Reno, they're producing the... Um, the battery packs. Battery uh, packs for the Teslas? For, well, for the Tesla, and also where you're going to hang one in your garage uh, so that those right. solar panels can uh, recharge your battery. Mm-hmm. And perhaps, although the technology isn't there right now, uh, a combination of that uh, and your Tesla will uh, you know, be your storage cell uh, and play back and forth. So it's a real interesting... I, this whole electric vehicle thing over the next four years, it's just hang on because I know there there's going to be some wild successes and there's going to be some big failures too. So a headline that was just up this week, I was going to ask Paul um, Eisenstein about this. So I, it says Tesla and rivals may kill the petrol car, that's gasoline, as early as 2025. That's a headline that's here in 2016. They're saying that within nine years, roughly well, a decade. Let me give you another example here. It's more than cars. So we have an integrator of electric vehicles, and 3,500 buses, school buses, are going to be electric in California this coming 17. Yep. And I think it will start with some of those mass transportation things. And uh, you know, as the older I get, I don't necessarily own a car, I want to use a car. Right. For certain times, but don't necessarily want to open it. We talked with the folks from GM about the Maven program, but it's just one of many that are out there. Mike Amon, as always, it's a delight having you with us. Guys, so good to have you here on Dress Up Day. You folks have to see this, so please visit our website, internetadvisor.net. We'll have the whole fashion show for you there. <laughs> Gary, Ed, and Kel, thanks so much for being with us here on the Internet Advisor. Don't forget, on Sunday night, uh, I'll be posting this, and you can get it by simply going to internetadvisor.net and and downloading it from there after a little later on Sunday night. Or you can go to iTunes and look for Internet Advisor Podcast Feed and subscribe to that. Until we see you next, have a great week. You've been listening to the Internet Advisor Show, Detroit's longest-running, locally-produced computer show, with Foster Brown, Gary Baker, and our team of experts. For more information about our weekly show, to ask a question of our experts, or find the show notes for this podcast, visit internetadvisor.net and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. Don't forget to check the other great podcasts available on this podcastdetroit.com network. Thank you for listening.